this is Kenneth Wong, Senior Editor for DE247. Designing something from scratch in 48 hours, from concept to prototype, will be a challenge for anybody, veteran or newbies. So you can imagine how the difficulty doubles for the students from the Kansas State School for the Blind. We have the inspiring story here. First, let's meet the people involved. Here are the founder of Make 48, Tom Gray, and John Harding, the school's superintendent. Um, yeah, obviously 48 hours is that deadline. Um, and in that time frame, the team's competing. Um, they don't know the challenge, right? So they've got to go through all aspects of innovation. They've got to go through ideation, research, they meet with the patent attorneys, just like what Riley did on the weekend, uh, focus group, you know, and they've got a prototype. And many times you've got to do many um, uh, variations of your prototype. You know, building one thing just doesn't usually happen. So you got to tweak it. you got to modify it. But what we found is that if you give a deadline, people will always hit that deadline. It's just, it's just a matter of what quality is that prototype at the end of the deadline. Um, if you made it, you know, a one-month competition, you're going to have the same result. People will drag their feet. But we knew that 24 hours was too tight, and we knew that 48 hours was a good number because we could do these competitions on a weekend. So that all came into the factor. We uh, serve children who are either blind or visually impaired, significant enough to impact their education. So we have a campus, about 10 acres, and we serve 50 students uh, throughout the school year, basically from August until May. And we have a residential uh, component to our program. Uh, so students, about half our students stay here on campus Sunday evening through Friday afternoon. And then we also have a, a pretty robust outreach team. We call them field services, and they serve up to 800 students in a single year who don't come to our campus. So these are students who are attending public school. Unfortunately, over 70% of adults who are blind or low vision are not employed. So that that drives what we do here every day. And it's part of the reason that we partnered with Make 48. We work really hard with our students here to be self-advocates, to, to explain to the employer what it is that uh, they need uh, to get access. They don't need special favors. They simply need access. Sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's manipulating the environment. Sometimes it's working with an orientation mobility specialist to make sure they can navigate the spaces safely. Um, and often we find these, these accommodations uh, are pretty minor. Let's also hear from Riley, a student who participated in the contest. In fact, this is the first time she has ever worked with a CAD program. It seems she was particularly impressed by the augmented reality function. Um I'm 15. I I like to do a lot of different things. I like to build Legos and um, do puzzles. And sometimes I take pictures. Uh, I currently have a Star, Star Wars poster up uh, behind me. And I also have a Star Wars Lego set beside me that I'm still building. We're called the Wild Wings because we can, if you let us be in a room by ourselves for more than three hours um we could do some pretty crazy things there was a big screen tv on mounted on the wall and i watched them twirl around um uh, some some of the other uh team's projects and i thought that was cool and then uh about a day later uh they had already set up our product and stuff uh through the cad design uh, one of the guys hand me a tablet and says, point it at the table. And I'm like, wait, that, 
that product's not there, but it's on the screen. And so <laughs> me and Jetta and I are moving the tablet in all sorts of ways, crawling on the floor to see. Like, it, it was almost as if it was there, but it wasn't. Make 48 was founded in 2015, about two years before the membership-based makerspace called Tech Shop called it quit. At one point, the maker Mupin was on fire, spawning its own magazines and annual maker fairs. So where is the maker movement now? Here's Make48's Tom Gray with some thoughts. Like anything, it, it always evolves. Um, you know, what it was five, ten years ago is obviously very different than where it is currently. And five years from now, it'll be different again. But I think that what I've seen, um, you know, we do make 48s in different cities all over the, the Midwest and around the country. And we see the maker spaces of all different shapes and sizes. Um, very small ones to what they had at the School for the Blind, right through to some very elaborate ones like you may see down at Go Create in, in, in Wichita, Kansas. But um, we've found that the most successful makerspaces all rely on one community person as the, the heart of, of the beginning of that makerspace. Because your makerspaces can have all the same equipment, right? And can have you know walls and all that good stuff. It's what drives people to the makerspace, what keeps them there, um, what's the, how are they innovating within. And a lot of those makerspaces have different disciplines. So many have the classrooms coming in, they have the corporate sponsorship, they have the residents, you know, they're, they're their members as well. And you need multiple different levels to make that makerspace work. So I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I don't think there could be a major brand sort of succeed in this. Um, each city has its own little uh, unique community of a makerspace and they're just different shapes and sizes and it just comes down to the people and the leadership. The competition took place in the first week of December. Here's Tom Gray explaining the challenge and Riley talking about her experience. Um, my wife and I have a farm just north of Kansas City and we have a lot of chickens. And um, if you raise farm fresh eggs, you don't have to refrigerate them because they're not, they're not washed and they have that protective bloom around them. So a lot of people in the country have a display of some type uh, of chicken eggs that you put on your counter and it's often a piece of art um, and it often um, uh, disperses the eggs as well. So we set the challenge um, to make an egg dispenser or an egg holder that um, could be very artistic or very engineering based. Uh, we set the size limitations so it couldn't be too big because of the space on, on people's counters. Um, we also set limitations on safety. We didn't want any sharp edge or loose parts. And there were several other things we included in that challenge. So um, part of the ideation is that on the Friday when the, the teams got the challenge, we brought in a whole bunch of chickens so that the, the students could all, you know, touch chickens and have some fun with that. We brought in a lot of eggs. Um, those eggs were real. They were not hard boiled. So we wanted to see a lot of cracked eggs. And I was really surprised that there weren't too many cracked eggs. Um, even even when they were trialing out their prototypes, there was a, a few cracked here and there, but nothing crazy. Um, so we thought that that was a good challenge for the students, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, anytime you bring animals into something, uh, it really lifts up the spirit of, of innovation, we find. When I originally heard the challenge, I'm like, well, darn it. I thought here we were going to help chickens, not cook them. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that it was uh, going to be for the eggs like okay I can deal with that um, 
We we had a lot of different ideas. One being like a spinny uh cake tray type thing. Uh, but we were, but then we just uh decided to go with the uh cabinet, which the front door is absolutely gorgeous. If I could, I would take that that piece home <laughs> and then hang it up on my wall, but I couldn't. Computer aided design or CAD requires lots of visual cues and manual navigation. So, how will the visually impaired community work with it? Here are some perspectives. When you talk about software, I think um, what makes it accessible is, is is it accessible to a screen reader for one thing. Um, our students use products like NVDA or JAWS that make um, software accessible. Uh, are there tags set up? Is it text-based? Once it's numerical or text, our students can manipulate that software. But a lot of times it's visual. It's visually based. They, um, uh, the products are made for people with vision. So it, it is not always accessible. But I think that's what's, um, what's important is that our students learn that they can be of value to software manufacturers or developers who want to make their, their products accessible for the market. On Shaped, the web-based CAD program from PTC is a sponsor of the competition. Here's Michael LaFlash from On Shape and Make48's Tom Gray. I was like, you know, how are we gonna like create an interface for people to actually interact with the products they designed, right? So On Shape has this thing called Feature Script. And Feature Script is a way of customizing On Shape and creating customized features. I was like, okay, we're is there a Braille custom feature anywhere that somebody had written? And turns out there was, and I was able to find that custom feature and, you know, have like Braille, like 3D objects being, you know, available. So it could be 3D printed and put onto like the front of a cabinet door. So people would know what was in that cabinet, right? Personally, I'm colorblind. So anything I can do to, to make on shape better for me to see, obviously I'm looking at, but you know, there's, there's definitely, um, a lot more that can be done. You know, there are things in web browsers, you can add in different extensions and things that can help, you know, like change the color of the screen to a darker background and things like that. But definitely much more that not only us, but all CAD systems need to do to, to support this community. You know, some people can, can see and some people completely cannot see whatsoever, right? So, you know, being able to work with such a visual, you know, medium like CAD, it, it was a, it was a challenge. But it, it, I thought it was going to be a challenge, but it wasn't actually. <laughs> you know, there, um, you know, every team, you know, they they had great ideas. They were able to convey what they were looking for. Um, the interesting thing is, they didn't know any limits, which I thought was fantastic. Right? You know, they're designing things that I would like look at myself and like, I can't design that and build that in 48 hours. That's crazy, but I'm not going to tell them that. I was able to help one team create something more complex that was, you know, than I've done in any kind of professional application, you know, building a, um, a double helix kind of funnel pipe. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was creating things that I had never done in real life and we were able to print you know, across multiple 3D printers at once, this crazy shape. So I thought that was a really, really fun uh, example of where people could go. Our partnership with Onshape has been a, a really good one uh, for our competitions, you know, to have a CAD design that's on the cloud that can be um, communicated, collaborated quickly is very much a key for our competitions in general. 
Now this is where I usually do my closing. The one that goes, I'm Kenneth Wong for DE 24-7, until next time, and so on. But in this special episode, I'd like to give the last words to a special person. So here's Riley from Kansas State School for the Blind. You don't have, have to have eyes to see what is going on around you and to see what you're doing and and to see your future. Some Sometimes you just have to go, okay, this is what I want to do, and then do it.